The Old Testament reading is recorded by the inspired prophet Jeremiah, chapter 11. Needs just a little bit of explanation so we know what's going on here. This is Jeremiah speaking, and he is proving the incorrigible nature of Israel. So he says, The Lord made it known to me, and I knew. Then you showed me their deeds. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know it was against me. They devised schemes, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. But, O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tests the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them. For to you have I committed my cause. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle, again, is the running, continuous reading of James. We are now at chapter 3, verse 13. And this is a warning against strife and other sins. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enemy with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scriptures say he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. This is the word of the Lord.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 9, beginning at the 30th verse. The disciples went on from there and passed through Galilee, and Jesus did not want anyone to know. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text is the Gospel lesson. And just adding a couple more verses, which used to be with this pericope, verse 38 through 40, John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw a man casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him, because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon after to speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose his reward. Thus far, our text. Man's ego. It is really something to try and control. Man is always quite happy with himself and willing to tell others about himself. I notice this particularly in sports or in politics. How about sports? After game, when the star is being interviewed, he says over and over again, I was so proud of myself the way I did that. I think, huh, not too humble there. What about the pitcher who said after one game, I don't know if I am the greatest pitcher there ever was. <laughs> I thought, but really you're saying you are the greatest pitcher there ever was. Those of you who are in my age bracket will remember Dizzy Dean of the St. Louis Cardinals. He used to say rather jokingly, I don't know if I was the greatest pitcher, but I was right up there amongst them. <laughs> and then in politics, oh, that could drive you nuts. Man's ego, it's hard to keep it down and to be humble. 
And if you've ever thought that's not true, just look at our text again. What were the disciples doing? And this was all 12 of them together at one time. Just think of this. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He knows what lays ahead of him. He is about to be betrayed by one of his disciples. He's given over into the hands of his enemies. He's beaten. He's cursed. He's spit upon. He is crowned with thorns. He is mocked and jeered and then ultimately nailed to the cross. And as the hymn writer says, the worst blow that he took was from his father for our sins. He has all this heavy weight on his mind, and his disciples are over here arguing about who's the greatest. And just think, James and John's mother comes to him, and she says, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, how about putting one of my sons at your right hand and the other one at the left? Little did they understand what was going on. This is man's ego rising to the top and controlling the new man. You know, when we were baptized, God created faith within us and took up residence within us. And then we have a new spirit born after the Holy Spirit. And that's the new man. But we still have the old man. And you'll remember Luther, who kind of called things as they are. He said, the old man is like a bag of maggots which is hanging around my neck. It's there every day, all day, and I need to struggle against him. So there's a war going on, as Paul says, within us. The new man wants to lead us in the path of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To love him above all things and to love our neighbor. But the old man, he hates that. He hates God. He loves the devil. And he tries to drag us in that direction. And we see this happen to the disciples as Jesus is on his way to the cross. They're arguing about who's the greatest. Well, Jesus teaches them what true greatness is. It's to love God above all things and to serve our neighbor. To serve one another in love. Of course, this comes about, first of all, through holy baptism, genuine repentance, and faith in Christ. When we come to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, true man, true God, come from the Father to die in our stead, we know then that we ought to serve our neighbor. True greatness is to love God above all things and to serve our neighbor to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
to prove this to them or to give them an example of this, to show this to his disciples, he takes a small child. And he even takes him up in his arms. 